Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. Give me an amen when you get there. got nine people there. <laughs> this is going to be a long sermon. Y'all don't hurry it up. Amen. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear, when they saw him, and they fell into, the, into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. Let us pray. Father, I praise you for the victory of this church. You just continue. You continue to amaze me, Father, and I don't know why. I, I don't know why I continue to get amazed. You can do all things. And Father, we praise you for the sacrifice that was made. To give your only son, Father, I always think about that. I've got three daughters. I don't think I can do it. I really, I don't, I just, I don't think I can do it. And you did it for us. And Father, I love these people, but I just don't think I can do it. God, it is the strength that you have to be able to give the only son that you have so that we can have that eternal life. Father, I praise you. Thank you for the people that are here. Father, I just lift this congregation up to you. And I invite you in this room. I ask that, you, that the Holy Spirit comes in and pierces the hearts of each and every person in this room today with your message, myself included. And Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You take all my doubt, lack of knowledge, Pride, selfishness. Father, I ask that you strip that from me, you throw it into the sea, and you replace it with your love, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your breath. I ask these things in your name, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All around the world today, traditional pastors are stepping up to the pulpit at traditional churches. And they're giving the traditional Easter sermon. Well, for those of you that are guests here today, Christian Warriors Church is not a traditional church. We obviously don't have a traditional pastor. Why is that funny? <laughs> and uh, he doesn't have me preaching a traditional Easter sermon today. Now, we will touch base on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because it is still and always will be the single most greatest event in mankind history. Amen? Right. Real quick, one other thing for you visitors here today. Uh, here at Christian Warriors Church, guys, we don't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ one Sunday a year. Around here, we celebrate it every single Sunday. Bojo touched on that earlier, and that, that's the truth of it. We praise him every Sunday for the gift that he's given that we celebrate today. Before I get to the sermon, every year when Easter comes around, it reminds me of a story and, and for those of y'all that have been here for three years, you've heard this story at least once, I know. So just, you know, laugh and nod your head like a Christian, okay? 
So there was this couple, and they decided uh, they were going to take their, uh, this, this man was going to take his mother-in-law and his wife over to uh, the Holy Land. So they went to Jerusalem, and uh, while they were there, had a great time, but about four days in, unfortunately, the mother-in-law passed away. When they went to the funeral home, the guy that was there said, listen, we have a, we have a deal we can make with you here, you know, for, for nothing, for zero dollars. We can bury your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land, but it's going to cost you like 10 grand to get her just on the plane and get her flown over back to the States. And the guy sat there for a second, he whipped out his checkbook, and he wrote a check for $10,000. The guy looked at him and said, I can't believe you did that. He said, well, sir, about 2,000 years ago, a man died and resurrected, and I just can't take that chance. <laughs> I love you, Debbie. <laughs> see, see, last time I said that, you was with kids. This t- I'm sorry. I should have paid more attention to that. All right, let's get to the sermon. Today's sermon title is, It Doesn't Matter. It Doesn't Matter. Today we're going to talk about two different people and the roles they played in the death and resurrection story. These two could not be more different. The characteristics of these two people were polar opposites of one another. These two people are the apostles Peter and John. I want to go to Luke chapter 5 and I want to look at the first time that these two men met Jesus. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, Go out where it is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Next slide. A shout for help brought their partners from the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Verse 9. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus so right here guys in this moment these two men made a decision that we all have to make as Christians and it's the first step at becoming a believer they decided to follow Jesus again I need you to remember though these two men (laughs) history shows again they are so opposite guys I mean they couldn't be any different Peter was short-tempered impulsive ambitious and quick to commit before doing all his research. Okay? John was very selfless, a thorough thinker, loving, and he demonstrated immense temperament. Who here watches Marvel? Who's, who's Marvel fans? Show of hands. Marvel fans. I love Marvel. Okay, the rest of y'all need to watch Marvel. It's a shame on y'all. But, but basically what you got here is Peter is the Hulk, okay? and, and, and John is Captain America. I mean, that's basically what you've got here. So that'll give you a visual right off the bat. And for those of y'all that are like, who's the Hulk and who's Captain America? You need to get out more. It's pretty sad. Go watch a Marvel movie. But no matter how different they were, guys, here in Luke chapter 5, they both decided to follow Jesus. Even though they were completely different, Peter and John were teammates on Team 
Jesus. You know, we talk about this a lot. Um, Bojo touched on it just a second ago, actually. You, you could take Peter and you could take John and, and all those disciples, and they were all different, a lot of different characteristics. I'm sure they had some different beliefs, by the way. I'm sure Jesus would teach something, and, and then they would argue about what he meant and what it meant to them and, and, and so forth. And it reminds me of the different denominations that we have. This church is non-denominational, and there's, there's a reason for that, but that is something that God put on my heart. I have nothing against you know, anybody else that goes to a church of a different denomination, but what I love about these two men is you see no matter how different they were, they still follow Jesus. Our churches should be able to do the same. Regardless of how different we are, we should all get along, right? We should all, we're all one church. We're all on Team Jesus. And what's cool is, it's like Bojo pointed out earlier, my, my brother Matt Graves at Heritage, good friend of mine. And, and the churches he listed, that's great. You know, I, I love to see when other churches are working together just as the disciples did regardless of how different they were. I want to fast forward about three years later. Uh, this is in Matthew chapter 26. Here Jesus and his disciples are meeting for what is now called the Last Supper. Jesus is telling his disciples uh, that before the night is over, all 12 of them will desert him. I want to pick back up Matthew 26, verses 33 through 35. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Now, most of us know Peter does end up denying Jesus three times before the rooster crows. Most of us know that story. But we're not going to hate on Peter. This is not a bash fest on Peter. And the reason why that is, we can all relate Everybody in this room can relate, you pastor included. We are all guilty of doing the same thing Peter did. At some point in our lives, we have denied Jesus Christ. Some of y'all are like, no, man, what you talking about? So I got, I got a question for you guys, and it's a two-part question. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, but, but wait until I, I, I get to the second part, okay? Like, I'm going to ask you the first one. Okay, first one is, how many times have you guys said to God, you know, God, I, I messed up, and I won't ever do it again, okay? Don't, don't raise your hand. Here's where I want you to raise your hands. How many of you did it again? Yeah, it's like the death rate. It's 100% in here, okay? We also do this when we put things ahead of him. That's called idolatry. We've, we've been talking about that a lot. been doing a series on Revelation and the ones that put so many things ahead of Jesus Christ, that, that's when you deny him. That's how that happens, guys. You see, we all want to follow Jesus as long as it's comfortable and safe. It's got to be comfortable and safe. As long as it doesn't mess up our daily routine. As long as it doesn't disrupt our lives. This is called following Jesus from a distance. From a distance. A lot of Christians are guilty of this. And that's exactly what Peter did here. I want to go look at chapter 26, Matthew 57 through 58. Then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance 
and came to the high priest's courtyard. So you see, Peter didn't want to follow Jesus too close because it was way too dangerous. Way too dangerous. I need you to take this home with you guys today. I've said it before, and I'll say it a thousand more times until God makes me retire from the pulpit. Jesus Christ did not die on that cross to make us safe. He died on that cross to make us dangerous. We don't look at danger and run away. You do that. I mean, that's, that's what he died for, guys. You're basically slapping Jesus Christ in the face if you look in the face of danger and you run. He's with you. You go into the danger with him. Let him lead you. I want to go look at uh, Peter's denials. Let's look at Matthew 26, 69 through 72. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out, excuse me, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't know the man, he said. Okay, I'm going to stop right there, guys, real quick. Notice the word oath. Notice that word? Because for the first time, he denied him. He just lied, like I don't know him. The second time, it became a little worse. He swore with an oath. If you go to court and you get sworn in, Put your hand on the Bible, you give an oath, correct? That's what, Jesus, that's, that's what Peter's doing here. He's denying Jesus on a whole nother level, guys. A whole nother level. See, that happens to a lot of us, guys. You know, we start lying about things, and it turns into another lie, it turns into another lie, it just gets worse and worse, right? It starts to spiral out of control. That's what's going on with Peter here. And what's worse, let's look at the next two verses. Let's look at 73 through 74. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Immediately. Notice the word immediately. Can you imagine in this moment how bad Peter felt? Just a few hours before this, he told Jesus he would never deny him, that he'd die with him. Can anybody relate to this? I mean, to hear Peter, I think we can all see Peter in this moment and, and how bad that is, but when he looked at the face of Christ, knowing that he denied him, guys, that, that's, that's the worst part of this. And here's the thing, that glimpse that Peter got of Jesus' face, because that's the thing, is Jesus saw him right after that. I mean, immediately the rooster crows, and then it says later, like literally right after that, Peter looks at Jesus in the face. And it's worse than what you can imagine, because right before that is when Jesus started taking the first parts of the beating, crown on the head. Peter denies him and immediately looks at a bloodied face of Jesus. That's tough. 
you know, every time I think of that verse and, and, and what Peter had to go through, I'll tell you what, let's read this. Luke 20, uh, 22, 60 through 61. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So, okay, so he sees Jesus. And again, it's this bloodied face. The visual that I want to give you guys, though, is they're standing in a temple courtyard. Okay, the measurements of the temple courtyards back then were about 30 yards by 30 yards. So it's about 100 square feet is what you're looking at, just under that. That's not very big, guys. So in other words, Jesus is literally just a couple yards away. And as soon as the rooster crowed, Jesus knew, I'm going to look up at him. I need him to know. I need him to know that this was coming true, that he did, that he denied me, that I knew he was going to do this, but he still loves you. The visual that I always get in my head is the passion of the Christ. And we were actually talking about this at the house the other night. Um, my wife mentioned, she said, we ought to let our older kids watch it, and I just, I tell I, I can't, I can't watch it again, because every time that I deny him, that's what I see, I see what Peter saw, and I need you to understand something, guys, that's conviction, but that's not a bad thing, if you feel conviction, he's here, if you don't feel the conviction, we got a problem, I always envision him on that cross. Every time that I let him down, I hear him. I look, I see, and I hear him. He says, forgive him, Father. He doesn't know what he's done. The problem is, is we do know what we did. That's the problem. But he still loves us. As bad and as screwed up as we are, he still loves us. After this, Peter fled. So later that day after dragging a 300 pound cross down the via della rosa to golgotha which is about a half a mile walk and by the way they say it was a 300 pound cross but it was a whole lot heavier than that guys because the sins all of our sins were piled on that cross jesus was nailed to that cross for all to see there were a number of people in attendance that day but only one of the 12 disciples was present only one we're gonna go to john 19 Verses 26 through 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. John is the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how they always said you know, about John. That's how they described John. He was the only disciple who had the courage to follow Jesus to the cross. All the others, including Peter, who we were talking about earlier, ran from the cross and watched from a distance. John was known as John the Beloved. Jesus trusted John. There's proof of that right here, obviously, that Jesus entrusted him with his own mother, his own mom. And 60 years later, Jesus again entrusted John with something even greater, of an even greater value. He entrusted John with his father's final plan for the world and mankind known today as the book of Revelation. Jesus loved John. So right now I want to ask you guys a serious question. Which one of these two men are you? Are you Peter? Are you the one that that runs from the cross, that 
follows Jesus from a distance? Or are you John, the one that ran to the cross and watched it all and stood by him, who walked into the face of danger? Guess what? Here's where today's sermon title comes in. It doesn't matter. Jesus used them both. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter became one of the greatest leaders of the church. In the book of Acts, Peter preached all over the country. He led thousands of people to salvation. He performed miracles by healing the sick and the lame. He was doing as Jesus did. This is Peter. This is the man denied him three times, right? Watched from a distance. Didn't have the courage to go to the cross. But Michael, why would Jesus use Peter like he used John? Peter denied him. Peter ran. Peter wasn't brave enough. Here's your answer. Because the moment Jesus died on that cross, he died for Peter's failures. And the moment he rose again, he gave Peter the opportunity to start over. Christian warriors, he's done the same thing for you today. Your failures don't matter anymore, guys. Your past doesn't matter anymore. And I need you to know something else. It doesn't matter if you're one of these good Christians, you know, that that's what they would say John was. He was the good Christian, right? The one that follows him to the cross. It doesn't matter if you're that one or if you're the one that denied him. If you're still breathing, he'll use you too. It doesn't matter if, it, if, you, hadn't, if you hadn't missed a Sunday in 10 years or if this is the first one you've been at all year. If you're willing, God wants to use you. I'll take it another step further than that, guys. Even if this is your first Sunday service that you've been to in a year, if you're willing, you can make more of a difference than the pastor that stands before you. Did y'all hear that? I don't, care if you've, I don't care if this is the first Sunday you've been in church in a year. If you're willing to go to the cross and follow Jesus, he'll use you. And you could do greater things than the pastor that stands on this stage. You know, and people will say, but, but Micah, no, you're, you're a pastor. You, you reach people. You know, you, you, you have, you know, God uses you this way. No, no and here's, the, I'm not doing anything, guys. The Holy Spirit does everything through me. And the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in every single person in this congregation today. Whether it's the first day you felt it or whether it's the tenth year that you felt it. You can do amazing things. Amazing things, greater things than this church has done combined. You've got to have that mindset. You've got to be willing, and that's what Peter did. Once Jesus was resurrected, Peter realized it was no longer time to follow from a distance. It was time to be all in and be a vessel for the Holy Spirit. You know, so many times I talk to people and we invite them to church or 
you know, I'll run into somebody that I used to know, and they always ask, Mike, how's the church doing? I was like, man, it's great. It's really good. I was like, yeah, I'll come visit sometime. They're like, man, you know what? i got to get my life right before I go to church. You know what I tell them? Christian Warriors is perfect for you. Amen. We're all still trying to get it right. I mean, good Lord. Like, hi, I'm, I'm Micah Harp. I'm a sinner. I mean, you know, there's no other way around it, right? Got to get my life right before I go to church. There's not a church anywhere where people got their dang life right. I'm sorry. I don't care what denomination you are. You know, those that say that, you, you know, you got to be this way to go to heaven, you know, you ain't perfect, trust me, I promise you that. You know, perfect church. You know, somebody said this one time, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, the church was perfect, and then you walked in it, you know. <laughs> and I think they were talking to me, to be honest with you. I want to close with a couple questions today, guys. Number one, are you following Jesus? Do you consider yourself a true follower of Jesus Christ? If not, here in a moment, we're going to have a victory call, and we're going to have the prayer team come down. If you're not sure if you really are a true follower of Christ, today is the day to get that way. What better day than Easter, right? For everything he's done for us, the least we could do is follow him, right? So if you're questioning that today, again, prayer team will be down. Come visit with us. Do not leave here today questioning that. I can't have that on my heart. Okay? The second question that I have, if you are a follower of Christ, how are you following him? Are you following at a distance where you are safe and in your comfort zone? Are you following him to the cross where you are in danger? The truth is you're not in danger. The truth is the devil's in danger. Following to the cross. There's a lot of us, guys, there's a lot of Christians that I truly believe that we are following from a distance. And I'll be honest with everybody in this room at some point in time has followed from a distance. And the problem is, it's like a dang race. You're sitting there with him, and then all of a sudden, you start to slack off, and you get further behind him, and all of a sudden, you're back at a distance again. I'm guilty of that. For 23 years, I followed Jesus from a distance. I saved at seven, and at the age of 30, I finally figured it out. 23 years, I followed from a distance. That 23 years, I would do anything to get that back. Because I think about how many times he could have used me in those moments. How many times I denied him and walked away and didn't feel that conviction. My thought process was somebody else can do it. That was my thought process. But he wants to use you. Again, regardless of how many times you've walked in the dang church, he don't care. And I'll be honest with you, this church don't care. We love you if you're who you are. And we want to use you. Guys, Jesus, just like this church, he don't take roll call. But when he calls on you, 
He just wants you to respond. Guys, Easter is not about what Jesus did on that cross. It's about who he did it for. He did it for us. And the least we can do is catch up to him and quit following him from a distance. Amen?